0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of Two Elevens Baseball Talk. We're back and better than ever. My name it's Dylan Baker. I'm alongside, as usual. If you're here for the first time, my dad, Chris. Chris, how are you today?
1: I'm good. Dylan, how are you?
0: I am phenomenal. Have it's you turned been... off your ridiculously
1: loud notifications? <laughs> I have indeed, and I'm officially not used to being on a podcast anymore after our little hiatus, but. Uh... Yes, and you
0: know, for the intro song, it was Bad Reputation by uh, Avicii and Joe Janiak, if you're listening on Anchor. Um, I attempted to get Us Without Me by Eminem, where they had the Guess Who's Back, 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 Back again. But unfortunately, the segment that Anchor chose from the song was not including that Guess Who's Back part. Very unfortunate, because that would have been a perfect intro. And let's get into a little bit why we weren't here, why we had two weeks of no podcast, um, week one, we had an incredibly busy baseball schedule and we attempted to release an all-star special, but there were recording issues there. Then after that, I was on my way to Chicago for the play-by-play sports broadcasting camp, which was phenomenal. Learned a lot there, met some incredible people. Then I came back, uh, and my team, the minor Bantam one of won a tournament. You, why don't you tell us where you were?
1: I was in BC enjoying the beautiful mountains. And uh, and with a beautiful lady as well, so that's where I was. And uh, you, sir, had quite the experience at the Chicago camp. Which is why don't you tell us a little bit about what you can do at that Chicago camp? Because I think they need some promotion for all they did for you. They most certainly do. And that was the play-by-play sports broadcasting
0: camp, and it's a phenomenal camp. It's been going on for I think nineteen years now, fourteen in Chicago. I might be wrong there. I know it's 14-something. And it's it's a great camp. They have so many alumni that have moved on to do something professionally, such as Scott Braun of MLB Network. That might be someone that our listeners know uh, know of. So a phenomenal camp. We learned about doing play-by-play. We learned about doing color. We did uh, sports talk radio shows. We learned so much. We did sideline reports. It was great. We met so many special guests like Laura Rahimi of NBC Sports Chicago, who works sometimes on the Cubs and White Sox games. We met John Weidemann, who is the our uh, Blackhawks radio play-by-play broadcaster, Neil Funk, the play-by-play man for the Chicago Bulls. We met so many phenomenal people, and it was run by Neil Hartman, who uh, was there for Chicago. He was great as well, so a wonderful camp. And that is why we were not there. We didn't have a podcast come out for two weeks. That will hopefully not happen again. Um we will make sure that we get something out to you guys within a two-week stretch again because that was a little bit difficult. But you were in BC. You were also visiting family, which, was, uh, which must have been fun. And speaking of fun, the All-Star Week was fun. Do you like that segue there? Love it. Uh, All-Star Week was fun and had an insane home run derby. And before we get into that, we were reminded the National League has forgotten how to win one of these All-Star Games. It has now been seven years since they have won an All-Star Game and you look at it and the cubs won the world series in 2016 so it's not like it's not like national league teams aren't good right now there are good national league teams but the national league all-star team hasn't won a an all-star game in 7 years
1: yeah it goes in waves i mean i didn't uh i obviously being away in the mountains there i did not get a chance to see it in fact i didn't even get a chance in it this is blasphemy jays fans i know but I didn't get a chance to even see the home run derby. Uh, wow. But I did see the highlights on it. And as it was happening, I saw some of the live tweeting going on with it. Uh, and it sounds like Vladdy was awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the all-star game itself, um, I'm glad, Dylan, that it doesn't count anymore. I think that's a really important piece. Uh, especially if I'm the National League because I don't want it counting anymore. Uh, But even if I'm the American League, I just think that it's better to have fun with it. I think the players have a lot more fun with it. I think the fans have a lot more fun with it. It's by far the best all-star experience of all of the major league sports. There's no question about that. Uh, It falls perfectly in the middle of the season almost and uh, at a beautiful time of year. And so I think uh the city of Cleveland did a great job from the highlights I've seen of it and uh and it was definitely a great All-Star game other than of course the fact that the National League cannot seem to pull out a win any longer. No
0: they cannot they I don't know just just a PSA for the National League. You guys know you're allowed to win these, right? <laughs> there's no there's no law forbidding it. And back to what you said about the All-Star game not counting anymore. There's another the the the, the flip side to that is Should it count? Because it could be more entertaining if it does, because then you have players out there from competitive teams that are trying to win that game so that they can have home field advantage during the World Series. So if the game does count for something, would that not make it more entertaining?
1: Well, I don't know what you make it count for, Dylan, because really the honest truth of it is I can't imagine why anybody would have liked that it counted for home field advantage in the World Series. If I'm uh, the Chicago Cubs of a few years ago, I don't like that at all because I should have home field advantage having the best record in baseball. And I don't get it because a bunch of all-stars ended up losing on me. And now I don't get the home field advantage like that, uh, that I don't like it. I, I mean, maybe it can count for something. I don't know. Maybe let the stats count for the players. Um, and then that way, you know, if they hit a dinger, it counts toward their season stats. I could see that being a, a way to do it. But, um, and, and hopefully making them play harder for the win. But, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't like that. It would determine world series home field advantage. Yeah. And you know what? That might be a bit too extreme
0: for uh, something that an all-star game determines. And you brought up a great example of the Chicago Cubs of 2016. They had 103 wins, I believe, and they didn't get home field advantage in the world series. So it's, it was a little bit ridiculous because they were the best team in baseball. And all of a sudden, the um the Cleveland Indians had that home field advantage in Cleveland simply because the national League lost an all star game and this is something we've seen for years right We've seen that the national League has lost plenty of all star games and it ended up costing the Cubs home field advantage They went one oh three and fifty eight that season and you know what had that All-Star game not mattered. It was the last one that did. Had that All-Star game not mattered, the Cubs have home field advantage for that World Series, and that can change everything. So you know what? I agree with you in the sense that it shouldn't determine home, home field advantage for the, uh, the World Series, but I think it should still count for something. That way it makes it more entertaining because then you don't have players um, that, that look like they're not trying out there. And I, I'm not saying we did see that in Cleveland this year. We, we, I don't think we did. But in past years, we have seen that players just seem to be, they, they don't seem to care out there. And you know what, if it does count for your, their personal stats, and it's an idea, it's an idea that I enjoy that you, uh, that you brought up, if it does count for something personally, and they want to win the home run title, for example, they can hit, if they hit one out in, uh, in the All-Star game, it'll count, and that could put them over the top at the end of the season. So that would be cool. I think it should count for something, but I don't think that it should count for World Series uh, home field advantage. Moving on to the home run derby, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. set a home run derby record and hit ninety-one home runs, set a single round record by hitting forty home runs, but lost to Pete Alonso in the finals. So I ask you, does the derby format need to be changed?
1: Well, I think that the the hometown bias plays into this one a little bit. And, it most uh, certainly
0: does, but at the <laughs> same
1: time. But at the
0: same time, it does allow you to look at something. Well, yeah. And,
1: and, and I would take a look at it and I would just kind of review if I was major league baseball and, and say, you know, it's a round by round win. And I understand that. I, I do understand that. I, I feel as though that should be the tiebreaker. Um, so for example, if, uh, if, you know, no, well, no, that can't work either. I'm just trying to think that through on, on the fly, but, uh, But, I mean, it's just how do you not (laughs) recognize the fact that he had a record number of home runs in the home run derby and lost? I mean, uh, I I get it. It's round by round, but it just seems a little crazy to me that a a kid can hit 91 home runs. And and look, Vladdy's going to win this one day. There's no question about it, not a single question. He's going to win it. Um, He'll be the first Blue Jay, I predict, to win the home run derby. It almost happened this year. He's 19 years old. It's going to happen for him. Uh, So, Jays fans, just be patient with that. But I don't know what you can do to change the format of the home run derby to make those 91 home runs give him the win when he didn't win that last round.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing for Vladdy was that he was coming off 1,500 swing-offs against Jock Peterson. And he was exhausted going into that last round because he knew that to win as the number eight seed, he had to hit a lot of home runs. So that's what he did. And he ended up exhausting himself. um, And he wasn't able to win that last round. Maybe, maybe something that you could do is you could have, whoever hits the most home runs in the previous round would get to hit second and have the advantage in the next round, for example, if Vladdy hit... I think he hit 29 in his first round, and then Peterson hit, I think, 13. Maybe Vladdy gets to hit second in that round because he hit the most home runs out of the two. I don't know. Or maybe, maybe you reseed after every round, depending on how many home runs they've hit. That doesn't work for the finals, though, because there are only two left. I don't know. I don't know that something has to be changed, because... It seems to work just fine. It's pretty entertaining. But uh, you know what? I think that if a guy puts on a show like Vladdy did, hit 91 home runs, he deserves to win that derby. Unfortunately,
1: it just didn't work out that way. He does, but I think you know, entertainment value here is fantastic. I mean, the home run derby, as far as its new format, and unfortunately I didn't get to see it live this year, but I feel like I could have – watched it live as highlights because it almost was the same thing and that is a beautiful thing now it's not four and a half five hours of a huge extended break between batters and you know all this you get 10 hits 10 strikes whatever uh it's it's you've got time and and you have to hit as many as you can in that time and I love that. I feel like it's far more entertaining than it ever used to be. This is maybe the most entertaining format of the Home Run Derby so far. Uh, does it need a little bit more tweaking? I don't know. Maybe if you sit down as Major League Baseball in a room somewhere in the offseason and, and hash it out, maybe you can find a few little tweaks. But I would say that for the most part, despite the fact that our hometown guy lost, uh, is, it is a much better format than in, ever in years past.
0: You know what, I completely agree with you there. um, I'm not sure what that was. I don't even want to know what just happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, by the way, we are recording this in separate rooms today. If you were wondering why the bantering has been so... It has been as if we don't know what's going on with the other person. That would be why. Um, Speaking of something that happened during the All-Star break, Justin Verlander said that the MLB messed with the balls, which is why so many home runs have been hit this year. And there are the MLB, the, the hitters are on pace to break the previous record of total home runs hit in a season. And Justin Verlander has already allowed a career high in home runs, yet miraculously his ERA is still, or was still below three at the time that he made these remarks. That just shows you how good Justin Verlander is. But at the same time, he is allowed, he's on pace, Maybe to allow a career high in home runs. Um, did the MLB? Do you think that the MLB messed with the balls?
1: Well, how would I even know? I mean, that's the uh, that's just silly. And, and Verlander needs to zip it. He's done this in the past before, and maybe they have. But I mean, it's their game. <laughs> like you know, I don't know any reason why they. Ha- I mean, it's not like they're on jet skis or or they've added rockets to the balls or anything like that. I mean, come on. This is just the silliest conversation. It's obviously a pitcher who's griping about it because he's giving up more home runs than he normally does. Uh, And I understand that, and that's frustrating, I'm sure, as a pitcher. I've never been a pitcher, but I have been a catcher, as you are, and I know that that's frustrating from the catching position as well. But the reality is uh, I can't see enough of a difference this year, to really worry about it. It just seems very silly to me.
0: Yes, I understand that. And and when you said, uh, so what, it's their league, they can do what they want. My argument there would be, should they have said something so that pitchers can adjust? Should they have said, you know what, we're changing the way we make balls this year because we feel like whatever, whatever. Should they have said something it would have allowed pitchers to make their own adjustments to make sure that they can still have success
1: now that I can get behind that makes total sense i mean you you do I mean, as any company would do, you want to share with your employees changes that are going to affect them right and and so absolutely, I could get behind that uh, i don't think it's wrong for them to change the the structure of the baseball, but I do think it is better, as you say, to share that with the people that work in the game, and that would be the pitchers, that would be all the players, really, just to let them know that, hey, you know, we're going to alter this a little bit just to maybe enhance entertainment value, if that's the goal of what you're doing there. Uh, but it seems that, to be the goal with about everything Rob Manfred does. Yeah, and and that's, I think, what uh, what is the goal, but I just also think that Having shared that with pitchers would have been good. Now, maybe Manfred's worry was that pitchers would make it such an adjustment that the ball doesn't matter anymore and why spend the money on redoing the ball. Um, that's not okay, though. That's not the way to do it. Uh, I hope that's not what he did. But, yes, I agree. That's what you uh, – that is a, a great idea. I think you would absolutely want to share that with the pitchers if if it was me.
0: Yeah, and uh, looking at it right now, he is not yet allowed a career high in home runs, but his career high in home runs allowed is 28 and he's allowed 26 already.
1: So so again, again, is this another situation of Verlander spouting off because he's starting to fade?
0: But the thing is, you can't really make the argument that he's starting to fade because his ERA is 2.98. I
1: agree with that. I'm not saying he's completely fading. I'm just saying, is this a situation where he's seeing one thing And uh, and and you know he's he's using excuses. I mean, don't give me excuses. Give me results, Verlander. Right? I mean, well, he's giving you results. He's just
0: the thing is with Justin Verlander right now, looking at and looking at his record and his ERA, he's eleven and four with a two point nine eight ERA. He's still being he's still one of the better pitchers in the league this year, but he's upset about the home run totals. So. Maybe he's leaving the ball up in the zone. That's a possibility. But if he's leaving the ball up in the zone, don't you think that ERA would be higher? Because it's 2.98 right now, and his home runs allowed have has increased by two, or by one each year. Oh, no, his career high is 30. Sorry. That was in 2016. And he's on pace to beat that. But is this just Justin Verlander making excuses? Possibly. But he's still showing you results, so you can't say, get better. Maybe just try to keep the ball down so in the a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> um, moving on. It feels like this is going to be a weekly thing. But let's talk about Bo Bichette. He has absolutely demolished AAA this season after a slow start. He's picked up and never looked back. Bichette is batting 305 with five home runs and 27 driven in this season. And that's just in 45 games uh, because he fractured his hand. Our guesses so far have been wrong as to when he is coming up, and he is seemingly blocking Forrest Wall's AAA spot. That being said,
1: when is he coming up? Well, I don't know if I can even make the predictions anymore. I mean, I don't understand what this marriage to Freddie Galvis is. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's got value. Arranged marriage. Well, and the thing is, he's got value, and... You know, why would you not trade him at the deadline for Atkins to come out the other day and say that he has no intention of trading Freddie Galvis is asinine. You have an excellent player down at AAA who's ready to break into the big leagues with his buddies, you know, and and I I think it was Wilner and, and Ben Wagner who were saying on the broadcast even tonight about how it must feel like, you know, you're watching everybody else graduate. Right, that was yeah.
0: actually David Singh on Blue Jay Central. Oh, wasn't we okay. The car so then. yeah, so.
1: and I love that comment because it is. It's like you're watching all the other kids graduate from from high school and go to college, and you're doing a victory lap. I mean, that's basically what Bo Bichette is doing right now. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing as an organization. It's embarrassing to him as a player. Uh, it's it's disgusting. Why would you not? bring up one of your better players in place of somebody else. And, you know, if you have an asset like Freddie Galvis, move him. Get pitching. We need pitching. There's got to be some pitching acquired. And, yes, he's probably only going to acquire bullpen help for his uh, contributions. But guess what? The Jays need bullpen help. The Jays mm-hmm. need any kind of pitching help. And if Freddie Galvis is going to bring that back because he, he has performed well this season, go and get it. You've got Bo Bichette. And, and Bo Bichette is ready.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think he should be up in the big leagues. And uh, I heard it on the broadcast tonight with Pat Tabler and Buck Martinez. They were saying that Freddie has said that he'll make adjustments. He'll change positions it, uh, when when does come up because Charlie said you don't you don't want to hold back a superstar like that. But yet that's what the Blue Jays are doing right now. Um, it's it's quite confusing. And I mean. What did you think of Bobochette's comments yesterday? He said that he's done everything the organization has asked him to do, and you hear that he's taking extra ground balls every day. We saw David we heard David Singh mention that on uh,
1: Scott MacArthur's show this morning. Um, what, what were your thoughts on what Bobochet said? Well, my thoughts are exactly what, what Strowman's thoughts have been. I mean, there's there's players in this organization now that are becoming extremely frustrated with this front office. And you can't have your next core frustrated with the front office you can't have that these guys have to play for you for the next six plus years and at the very least and so if these new players vladdy and biggio and bichette are coming in angry at the front office this front office is a joke and i, I listen well I, I could have told you that years ago well but see i know but i couldn't because because what i would have said years ago is give them a chance give them a chance they have a plan uh, which I believe still that they do. But the plan now is to frustrate the players. The plan now is to our plan or bust. I don't care if you're mad at me. I'm going to just still let you be mad at me and I'm going to let you get even more angry because I'm, I have to follow my plan. Like that's how this front office works. And it's it's despicable. You look at the play on the field this year; it's despicable. You've got a manager who's frustrated. You can tell he's frustrated with the assets that he has to work with. You've you've got you know just such a frustrated fan base, just spewing vitriol on Scott MacArthur's Jays talk. You, you've got just a mess of an organization that you're creating just because you have to do it your way. I don't understand that. I'll never understand that. Shapiro, I, I, I hate to say this, but I do think he needs to go. I think that Atkins needs to go as well. Um, but boy, do you really want to have that kind of a shakeup in the front office with so much already on the go, uh, developing the new the new team and the new core?
0: Yeah, and that's the, that's the tough thing because this new new core is about to come up and we're developing even more prospects in the system. But at the same time, you look at the front office and you're like, what are these guys doing? How is this considered a legitimate front office? Ross Atkins is a terrible general manager. You look at the trades he's made. What has he gotten back? Like, the best maybe, maybe, and this has not been proven yet, is, is Forrest Wall. Best attorney's gotten back, and that was in the Sun O trade last year. Maybe you could say Randall Gritchick was a good trade. Maybe. You cannot with full certainty, tell me that he has made a good trade as general manager yet. Now, in the future, when you see guys like David Paolino come up to the big leagues, maybe he'll be good. When you see guys like Forrest Wall get his chance in the big leagues, maybe he'll be good. Then you can say, you know what, that was a good deal that Ross Atkins made. I'm glad he made that move. Right now, you cannot tell me that he has made a single good trade as general manager of this team. You can't. You simply cannot. And nope. you look at the Josh Donaldson trade last year. I understand he was hurt. What did we get back? I'm sorry. I don't even know. I think it was Waggis Pack. Maybe it was Waggis Pack. I think it was Waggis Pack. Whoever it was did not have an impact at all. And you look at the guys he's getting back in some of these trades. The Roberto Osuna deal. I, I bet you I could have p- pitched it to uh, the Astros better than he did. Because Osuna was a proven closer before we traded him. Yeah, he had all that drama surrounding him. But that doesn't take away from how good you are on the field. Osuna had been good on the field before that. We could have gotten something better than Hector Perez and David Paulino, who are both deucing the futon in double-A right now. And you look at something else that Atkins has done. I was just talking about how Forrest Wall might be the best return he's had. Forrest Wall is not coming up to the Baileys anytime soon. He's not even getting a chance in triple-A right now. He is tearing the cover off the ball in double-A. He leads the Fishercats in doubles. He's got a career high in home runs already in the minor leagues, or he's on pace to do it. I don't know which one yet, but he is not even getting a shot in AAA. And we're saying maybe Bobachette, when Bobachette comes up, Forrest Wall will get to AAA. But you look at that roster, they've got seven outfielders down there. Cut ties with someone. Not all of them are going to be good. You know who might be good? Forrest Wall. Give him a shot in AAA, because right now Ross Atkins has done absolutely nothing to impress me,
1: I like it. I'm on board.
0: It, it's been it's been brutal. Anyway, moving on to a new segment, a fun segment that we are going to try and keep up uh, and keep and keep going every week. Uh, it's called Relevance Zero. Um, we where we bring you something completely irrelevant to anything that we've been discussing today, but might still be worth mentioning. Today's Relevance Zero topic is Giannis Antetokounmpo's inability to hit a baseball off a tee. It took Giannis at least 10 tries to make contact with the ball, and it was quite brutal to watch. However, you cannot possibly tell me that if you put Mike Trout on the court somewhere, uh, on some basketball court, that he would not be able to sink a shot. Question is, are baseball players some of the top two athletes in the world, top two being top two sports, based on their ability to perform well in other major sports?
1: I don't think there's any way to really truly say that. I mean, you you know, they're completely different sports. Uh, I mean, you throw a a baseball player into basketball, they're going to be garbage. right? I don't know
0: about that. I mean, you look at a guy like Mike Trout, who was was like a regional all-star or
1: something in his junior year. Yeah, but you're talking about the greatest player in baseball history, potentially. (laughs) <laughs> like you're not going to throw a Freddie Galvis on the basketball court and court and expect him to be, you know, you know, Kawhi. Like, <laughs> like it's just not going to happen. It, just because he's a baseball player, not not even the, not even close, not even close. Uh, yeah, okay, Mike Trout, the greatest of all time, potentially in baseball, might be able to throw a basketball into a net, but uh, you know, you're not going to see Buck Martinez, former catcher you know, throw shooting hoops out there. He's just not going to do it. Buck Martinez
0: is also 70 years old.
1: Well, I understand. But my point is that that as a baseball player, you're good at baseball. and You might be good at something else, and you should be good at something else. But you're not major league caliber unless you're in the major leagues. It's the same for basketball. You know, Michael Jordan tried his hand at at (laughs) baseball and was not nearly uh, as good as he was, obviously, at basketball. And uh, and just made a cup of coffee debut with the Chicago White Sox. Did not turn into anything legendary like everybody had hoped, and uh, and it's not going to. And Tebow isn't he the other one in the Mets organization? Yeah, he's not having a bad year this year. No, but he's in AAA. I mean, you know, he's not going to have that kind of year in a major league squad, and it's just the way it is. I mean, while well, he's stuck with the Mets, no one's going to have a good year. Potentially, that's true, but. Uh, but, I mean, I just don't think that for, for us to sit here and say that baseball players can try any sport. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably a couple sports they could try, but it's probably because they also tried them as a kid. They might have been pretty good at them as a kid. I don't think it's just because they play Major League Baseball that makes them better at another sport.
0: Okay. And um, uh, Tim Tebow's not having a good year in AAA. I'm, I'm looking at it now. He's batting a buck 57. He's got four home runs and 19 RBIs in 73 games. Disproving my point. Um, <laughs> little pop quiz for you before we move on to our final subject in the podcast. Who is my favorite Chicago White Sock of all time?
1: Who is yours? Yes. I'm going to say Carlton Fisk.
0: You are incorrect. It is Michael Jordan, the one and only. Ah. Um, moving on to our final topic. When will the Stro Show be filmed somewhere else? It seems like every time that he takes the mound, we ask the same question was that Marcus Strowman's last start in the Blue Jays uniform. Not yet, but soon it will be time for the Stro show to Stro go, and that seems like it could be soon. So what do you think the Jays' approach is here, besides making an awful trade, which Atkins seems to enjoy doing? Are they going to deal him as soon as they possibly can when they get a good deal, or will they wait till deadline day to try and add extra value to him and maybe some co- competition between teams while also lowering the risk of an injury?
1: Uh I am just ready for him to go. I'm ready for the whole back and forth, the whole unfollowing the blue jays, refollowing the blue jays. Uh, you know, the front office won't re- sign me all this stuff. I'm just ready as a Jays fan to say goodbye to all of that. Uh and uh and I think that I don't think there's a lot of Jays fans out there that would disagree with me at this point. There is a possibility that Stroman can be good as a pitcher, but he's certainly not an ace. He'll never be an ace. He has too much attitude and too much love for himself to ever focus deeply enough on becoming an ace. Um, and, uh, and, and so I'm ready. I'm ready, and I hope it's within the next one. Well, it's going to have to be within the next week and a half. I hope to see it happen. I do. Uh, I'm sick of him. Well, I you're mean, pulling
0: let's... a Ross Atkins and deeking around my question here what approach would you take or what approach do you think the Jays are going to take? Do you think they deal him as soon as they possibly can? Or do you think that they wait till deadline day to see if they
1: can get some more competition between teams or run up his value? Well, I don't know that you can run up his value any more than where it is. And, uh, you know, I, I am the Jays, I do wait a little closer as much as it's frustrating, unless I get a blown out of the water right now with a, with an offer. But, uh, but I mean, Otherwise, yeah, you wait till close to the 31st and you you try to push it and and you try to see if if you can maximize it. But what is maximizing in Ross Atkins' mind? That's the real question. Maximizing is maximizing the
0: potential and value out of every prospect that we get back. And you know what? While we do see potential and value in them, it's not that we don't see potential and value in them. It's just that we 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 want to maximize that value and you know what with our with our plan and our approach we will maximize that value out of every prospect we will hopefully get that value that added value that they need and maybe they'll need to work on their defense a little bit while they're down there but we will eventually get the maximum potential value out of every guy that's their approach
1: Well, and the other thing is, I mean, this is what I believe to be a Ross Atkins trade negotiation. Hey, will you give me one of your best prospects for Marcus Stroman? Oh, no, you won't. Will you give me 48 fringe prospects that might crack single A? Yeah, you will. That seems to equal out the value. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be his approach. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, that's what I expect here. I expect... You know, somebody's going to say no to a big prospect, and Atkins is just going to take 10 fringe prospects and, and, and or 48 shortstops. And, <laughs> you know, and it's just that's the way he operates, and that is why I, I have no interest in this trade deadline as a Blue Jays fan. I really don't. I expect Smoke to go. I expect Stroman to go. I expect a couple others to go, but I don't expect any return, and therefore no excitement at this trade deadline.
0: You know, you were mentioning the shortstops, and we got a chance to talk to Scott McArthur a couple of weeks ago. He was saying that what he believes the organization thinks and what he's heard is that they see the shortstop, they see shortstops as the most versatile players on the baseball field. They're guys that can play almost any other position. You can convert them to play anywhere. So that's what he believes and what he's heard that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro were thinking. Whether that's true or not, he doesn't know. We don't know. Why they think that, I don't know. Why don't you draft pitchers? Because shortstops, guess what they can't do? They can't pitch. pitch. So, yeah. you know what? I don't understand the approach. If you're going to, if you're when you trade Marcus Stroman, I expect a, a between top 10 and top 20, no, between top 5 and top 20 prospect in someone's organization. And it damn well better be a pitcher. So this yeah. has been episode 35 of 2 Baseball Talk. Once again, we apologize. We're back. Yes, we are. We apologize for the two-week hiatus. Won't happen again. We'll be right back here, same time, same day next week. We will see you all next time.